0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want to, uh, I want to, I want to uh, preach this morning from a, a really familiar verse. And it's always hard preaching from a verse that people are familiar with because we typically sort of hear that verse and then default um, to this prior sort of understanding or preconceived sort of idea of what that verse means. So I want to, if you can, when, when I say this verse, I want to sort of start a clean slate uh, because I do believe that God wants to give us a fresh word today. And uh, the verse is Psalm 34 and verse 8. And it was, it was written by David. And David in this verse, he, he, he writes this and he says, Taste and see that God is good. Then he goes on to say and he says, blessed is the man or good is the man who trusts in him. David says, taste and see that God is good. I've got Chef Tino over here and he's, uh, we flew him in from France this morning. <laughs> Study that... Uh, I studied at Jean-Pierre's Culinary Arts of Eatery just for this sermon. You good, Tino? You good? Tino's going to start cooking us up some breakfast. Well, not us, but me. Um, (laughs) But I want you to hear what I'm saying and I want you to, to listen to the words that David used to describe the goodness of God. And further to that, what David is actually saying is not only does he describe the goodness of God, but he gives us instructions. He actually gives us instructions regarding the goodness of God. David doesn't say, smell the scent of the goodness of God. That would be a nice verse though, wouldn't it? That sounds nice, It sounds churchy. The aroma of God's goodness that would make a pretty song. He didn't say that. He didn't say, talk about God's goodness and that's good to do as well. Talk about God's good, God's good. He didn't say that. He didn't say just sing about it. He didn't say just preach about it. He used this verb, this, this doing word. And he says, I want you to taste of it for yourself. I want you to taste of it for yourself. He essentially, what David is saying is David says, you know what, I want you to not just taste of it, I want you to feed upon the goodness of God. To to feed upon it. I want you to to allow the, the, the goodness of God to not just be something that you taste, but that it would be something that you feed upon. How many know whatever you feed on is what fuels you? I say to my kids, my kids are two and three, and when it comes to them eating their food, we have this thing that we say, and Luca will look at me and, and he's eaten half the food on his plate and he'll say, Dada, I'm done. And I'll look at him and I'll say, let me see. And he goes like this. Because I've taught them, and, and what they, they both do it now. Little Leo does it too. Because I've taught them and I say, No, muscles are not big enough, keep eating. Same as it is with the physical body, so it is with our spirit. That if that if we if we would understand how powerful it is, not just talk about, well, God's good, high five, God's good, fist bump, but to actually allow the goodness of God to be the very thing that I feed upon that goodness you will find will actually fuel your life. This is what David's saying. So we have to understand this as a foundational, um, as, as a foundational principle for our walk with God and for the people of God. We must We must, we must be people that taste and continue to be fed by the goodness of God. We must. To be continually fueled by the simple, basic, but incredibly powerful revelation that my God is good. That when I see things that are not good, my circumstances may not be good, but my circumstances are not the foundation for my life. It's the fact that my God is good, is my foundation. So we hear that, right? And we think, okay, cool, cool, I get, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm tracking with you, Ben. It's hot as hell in here, but I'm tracking with you, okay? And, and, and we're rolling and, and we think, okay, good. The next question that we need to always ask when you hear a message is, I hear it, Ben, but how? How do, how do I do it? So many times we hear things preached and we're like, yeah, and we walk away pumped. And, and if you're like me, when, when I used to sit and hear messages, I'll get excited and I'll be like, yeah, and then I get in the car and I'm like, how do I do that though? And it doesn't last, it doesn't carry through. I wanna teach you how, and in fact, I wanna show you what we can learn from the life and the situation of David as to how, how do I do this? Are you good, Tina? Tina? Getting there. So David, the context is so important when we look at verses in the Bible. David has just come out of potentially one of the worst, most degrading situations in his life. See, David, when David wrote this Psalm, David, it, it, David didn't write this Psalm Taste and see that God is good. When he was sitting at Four Seasons Jerusalem, sitting sipping on a little umbrella drink with cucumbers on his eyes, David didn't do that. And how many of you are glad that that's not where David was? Because if that was where David was right there, I would find it really difficult to relate to this verse, taste and see that God is good. Because the reality is that we don't live our life laying by the four seasons, sipping umbrella drinks. Some of us are living our lives in complete and utter turmoil right now. And that's why it's so powerful to see the context of David's life when he wrote this Psalm and how powerful and personally applicable it is to our life because David was going through hell. David was, every area of his life was falling apart. This, This dude is rejected by his brothers, forgotten by his dad, Gets a promise from God, but then gets almost like teased by the promise of God. He gets so close. The promise was that he would be king and now he's kicking it with a king and the throne is in sight and he's probably thinking in his spirit, here it is, here it is, he's a promise. But then that gets snatched away from him. Now David is on the run, the very person that he was looking up to, Saul as his mentor and the king at the time is trying to kill David. David is escaping through the desert, he ends up things get so bad that he backtracks and he goes to a king, it's in 1 Samuel, he goes to King Achish which was the king of Gath which was another one of David's enemies. And David, this enemy, Akish, hated Saul. And so David thought, well, if this dude hates Saul and Saul hates me, maybe he'll, you know, we can kick it and he'll help me out. So David rolls up to this king and he's like, hey bro, can you help a brother out? And this king remembers who David is and they're like, we're gonna kill you. So David, listen to what this joker does. David starts acting bat crazy. You thought you were at rock bottom. David starts acting crazy, so much so that they feel sorry for him. And then David comes out of that. I want you to see this, because this is how I want to help answer your question. How do I live my life fueled by the goodness of God? David comes out, he finds a tree, takes out his iPhone and starts to take some notes. He's fresh out of the worst situation of his life. Things are not going good. Everything's bad around him. And this dude punches into his phone, taste and see that God is good. How do you, how do you fuel and feed on the goodness of God? I want you to write this down. You have to focus on the good things that God is doing. David, he looked past his brothers, the king that was after him, the fact that he nearly just died, the fact that his father had forgotten him, talk about rejection issues, talk about identity issues. He had every right to sit there and be like, God, you suck. Don't pretend like we're all religious. We would do that. I'd be grabbing that phone. You know how quick you type when you're angry on your phone? When you're texting someone, you're like, Bro, if I had all of these things going on in my life and God had promised me the throne and it wasn't there and I was so-called anointed in front of my brothers and I take down Goliath and things are looking good, then it turns, I'm not gonna write, taste and see God is good. I'm gonna sit there and be like, God, where are you? because that's how we too often can be, is we focus on all of the things that are not happening. But David gives us a key here. How can I allow my life to be fed by and fueled by the goodness of God? Is when I look at all the crap going on and say, I'm gonna sit here until I find one good thing that's happening in my life and I'm gonna declare the goodness of God over that. Why why do you feel so much anxiety? Because you sit and focus upon every single thing in your life that warrants anxiety. Why do you feel so fearful? You know why? Because you sit and Google the randomest crap to find out what freaking disease are they gonna throw at us next. Someone sent me a freaking about some bumblebee that's gonna fly from, I don't know what other country and gonna come and kill me. I'm like, dear Lord, I'm wearing a mask for Corona. What are they gonna do for bumblebees? Listen, there is enough stuff out here to freak you out if you wanna find it, or you can find something that God is doing in your life is good and say, that's what I'm gonna focus on. He says, you gotta, you got to focus on, tell me, why is that, why is so focus so important? Because you will feed off whatever you focus on. You will, you will feed off it. If you want to feed discouragement into your life, it's real easy, let me tell you how. Write this down, this will change your life. Listen, if you feel like you're a little bit too up, A little bit too encouraged right now. I'll change it for you real quick. Sit down and think about everything in your life that you wish would happen that hasn't. And focus on that. And you'll find real quickly, all of a sudden, what you focus on will start to feed you and discouragement will start heading your way really fast. Are you good, Tino? Tino's making some bacon over here. I can It smells good. Are you hot there? Are you right? So David, David writes down this Psalm and he says, essentially what he's doing is he's shifting his focus. That's why to Timothy, Paul said in 2 Timothy, he said to Timothy, I want you to flee. I want you to turn from what's evil and I want you to cling to what's good. In other words, he's saying, I want you to shift your focus. I want you to, I want you to shift your focus on. Our focus has to be pointed in the right direction. Because if it's not pointed in the right direction, we will start to feed on the wrong things. And if we start to feed on the wrong things, we'll start to produce the wrong fruit. The Bible talks about it. In fact, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter three, Paul is, is, is dealing with his church in Corinth. Now these jokers were messed up. Corinth was like, let me, let me give you a, a, a phrase for Corinth that'll help, help you understand what Corinth was like. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Are you tracking with me? Right, so whatever you wanted to do, whatever you felt like rocking out, you could rock it out in Corinth. So Paul plants his church in Corinth and all these jokers that that get wild and crazy, they start coming to church and they start getting saved. And what happens is, is there's all of this craziness going on in their life and Paul is is facing all these issues within the church. Imagine that, issues. Not in the world, not in the world, in the church. Things like gossip, I know, I know. It's, It's incredibly difficult to wrap our heads around that God's house, the people of God would gossip. But they were, they were were at each other. There was was bickering. Listen to this, I know you don't believe me, but trust me, I'm pastor, we're not allowed to lie, especially on Sundays, but there was disunity. I know, (laughs) crazy. There was disunity in the church. And Paul comes to him in Corinth and he says this, he says, I fed you with milk, not with solid food for now, because... You're not ready to receive it. Then he says this, you know how I know that you're not ready? He says, because there is envy, strife, divisions among you and carnal behaviour. Essentially what Paul is saying is, I know that you're feeding on the wrong things because of the fruit that your life is producing. So, but I want you to see what he says here. Are you good, Tina? I want you to see what he says here. He says, I wanted to feed you something, but you weren't ready. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to to feed something into your spirit. He's talking of spiritual food, but he says you were not ready to receive it. You were not ready to eat. You know, you know, as I said, we've got kids and and Normally dinner time, you know, is about like what, six o'clock or so, we'll make the kids dinner or my wife will and I'll stand there very supportive of it. And so we, you know, we'll, we'll make the kids, kids dinner and, and what will often happen is the kids will come, come up to us. Leo, my two-year-old, listen, this little girl can eat. I mean, bro, this chick can throw it down. It's quite impressive. But at about, dinner will be about six o'clock, but at about, Leo will come up to the kitchen and she'll say, Dad, I want a snack. Now, parents, what do we say to our kids when they want a snack before dinner? We look at our kids and we say, you're not having a snack right now because it will spoil your dinner. It will spoil. Spoil your dinner. Do you know what? I think one of the biggest problems in the church right now and why we are not hungrier for God is we have spoiled our soul. Your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. But we have so spoiled our soul with the garbage of the world that when we come to church, we are not hungry for God because we are full of the garbage that the world is telling us we need to be full of. You, Our, our, our mind, our will and our emotions. Where are most of your battles fought? Now I know the Spirit and I know that we say all those churchy things and I believe it and I think it's great. But more often than not, I don't know about you, but I find for me, for my life, you might be a bit more spiritual for me, but, but I'm, I'm, I struggle with stuff. And more often than not, the battles of my day-to-day life are fought in my mind, my will, not you, not you, you're doing better than me, but my mind, my will and my emotions. My emotions, And so what we want is, we actually want God to fill all of that and He wants to, but the problem is we have spoiled, we have spoiled our soul. So we're not coming to God hungry for God to fill my mind. The Bible talks about bind my mind to the mind of Christ. But we're not hungry for God to fill my mind with those things that are good, those things that are praiseworthy. Those things the Word talks about are of good report and God wants to. But the problem is, is there is no room. Because we've been filling it up with Facebook. We've been filling it up with CNN. We've been loading up to Fox News and we're coming here absolutely petrified about what catastrophe is gonna happen in the world tomorrow, wondering why I cannot walk in the peace of God. You have spoiled your soul. So, so, so why, 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 is, why are the people of God not hungry? Not hungry for God. Why is church become this pastime that we have to tick a box like you just went to the gym, you did it because you had to. Why are we not coming like that woman with the issue of blood, knowing that we're all probably a lot more screwed up than she was and we should be coming with a lot hunger, with a hunger within our spirit. It's because we're full. David's saying, taste and see. I can start smelling, I'm smelling bacon bro. hey. Oh, I mean, I'm not even a big bacon guy, but but I can, we'll get there. I can smell it. See, why'd they get Tino, why'd they get Tino cooking? Because I want you to see something here. You smell things like bacon. You ever, you ever come out in your neighbourhood? You just had like a crummy bowl of cereal and you had to go take the trash out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You walk out in the backyard and like your neighbour is making some freaking buck, breakfast buffet and you can smell bacon, you're looking down at Cheerios like, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> something, about, something about the smell. He'll, he'll keep cooking. And little bit by little bit as he keeps cooking, you're gonna start smelling bacon. And you know what? It smells good. It smells good. And, and this almost is, so I'm standing here saying, tea, bro, that smells good. That smells really good. And the problem with this picture is this is how we are a little bit in church. We, we, we come into church and we're like, man, it feels good. I like the smell of that song. I like that song, I, I like that song. Now we don't say smell a cost, we say, I like, I like how that feels. Feels good. Ben, that, that sermon, that was, that smell good. Smell good. But this is the problem, is we stand like this and then we end up experiencing the smell of breakthrough the smell of His presence. And then we leave church saying, hey, hey, Ben, Ben, that sermon, that smell good. I'll see you next week. That song, bro, that joker that was up here singing with those pipes and he was singing, man, did you smell that song? I think I felt a a little something inside. A little, yeah, a little. I think I got a goosebump or two. And we say, man, that smell, that, that smell. You might even walk up to the worship leader after service and say, bro, that smelled good. And we leave and we get in our car talking about how good church smelled. And it did smell good. Like food does smell good. Let me tell you the problem with smell is smell won't sustain you tomorrow. You can't live off the smell of food. So we're leaving church on Sunday talking about, man, that smell good, man, that breakthrough. I smelled a bit of something, something there. Man, I smelled some when he started getting up there and preach. I smelled some, I smelled some in that song. But let me tell you something, when it comes to your Monday, smell is not gonna hold you. You have to allow smell to lead you to taste. Taste. And, and, and people will, 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 might come up and, and, and as I was preparing this sermon, I thought that's really what people sometimes are doing and they come up and they say, hey, that message, that message. You know what I want people to start coming up now? Because this is what you have to understand. If you hang around smell enough and allow it to do, allow church to do, what's the purpose of church? What's the purpose of smelling food? Is to draw you in. Is to draw you in. What's the, listen, what's the purpose of preaching? It's so that you don't walk away just saying, well, I got a smell and I'll be back next week for another smell. You know what I wanna hear? Now after I preach and after we have church, I wanna hear someone walk up to say, man, I'm freaking hungry. I'm hungry. You hang around that smell of that bacon, guess what? You're about to go home, cook some bacon. Because you've got a taste for it. That's what, listen, let me correct something real quickly. People say that the pastor's job is to feed the sheep, but it's not. I've never seen it. My, my, my grandfather was, was a sheep farmer. I've never seen my grandfather grab a sheep and, and rip the grass out of the ground and start shoving grass into the sheep's mouth and going, I've never seen that, bro. I've never seen that because the pastor's job is not to feed the sheep, it's to lead the sheep. So the message has to draw you in through the smell to a place where the food is, where you can dig the food up yourself and feed yourself Monday because we won't be there tomorrow and we won't be there Tuesday. And if I can teach you and lead you to where the food is and how to eat. Amen. But too often, this is what we do. People will say, say, and, and, and it's sweet, sometimes people come up and they say, man, I was going to this other church, but I left there because I wasn't getting fed. And now I come to Free Chapel. I wasn't getting fed. And I remember hearing that, thinking, man, that's awesome. They're coming here now. But then I thought about it and I thought maybe, maybe the issue is not that you were not getting fed. Maybe the issue is you just haven't grown up. Because even my two-year-old will help herself to the fridge. I know it hurts. Come back next week. You'll be a lot nicer. But listen, listen, I'm I'm not trying, I'm trying to help you because you know what I want? You know what I want? I want you leaving after this message in the spirit saying, man, I smelt something, but I'm about to ready to eat this thing up tomorrow because Ben was talking about taste and see. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and I'm going to open that verse, Psalm 34 and verse 8, and I'm going to look at it. And I'm gonna look at that word taste and then you're gonna get that and you'll open it and you'll look at it for yourself. Not on Sunday, not on Sunday. You're gonna do it on Monday. Dear Lord, you're gonna dust off that Bible on a Monday. And then you're gonna start looking at taste, taste and see. And you're gonna sit there for a minute and you're gonna start thinking about that word taste taste. And then you're gonna remember a story that you heard about when Jesus wasn't, He didn't have any natural food and His disciples came up to Him and they said, do you want us to get you food? And Jesus said to them, I don't need food because I have just had food that you know not of. And you're gonna remember that and you're gonna think, man, that's like food of the Spirit. And then you're gonna start thinking about that. And there's you are sitting there thinking there and maybe you'll listen to a podcast and then you'll hear something and you'll remember something. You might not be able to remember exactly where it is, but you remember something of the word talking about the fruits. Of the spirit, so that sort of connects because taste and then see how it's not about natural food but spiritual food. And if I eat spiritual food, I'll start to produce the fruit of the spirit. And then you'll start thinking about that and you'll think about, well, my fruit is sort of like a tree, it's sort of like a vine. Hang on, isn't there a verse somewhere? And you'll text your friend and you'll say, What is that verse about a vine being connected? And if it's not connected, and then they'll say, Yeah, 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 that's that one. Let's ask our small group leader because we all go to small groups because we know that's not just about attending church on Sunday of being a part of the community every day. And so you get with your small group and you'll say, hey, I was looking at this tasting and then this fruit thing. And then Jesus said, I have food that you know not of. But then the vine, the vine, and the Word says that the vine has got to be connected. And if I'm not connected to Jesus, like the vine, and I was thinking about that, about how that's my life. And if I actually don't disconnect when I leave church on a Sunday from God, but I stay connected to Him Monday to Saturday, I'll start to produce fruit in and through my life. And I won't be of my own strength, it'll be of the strength of the Holy Spirit and the vine that I'm connected to and you see what I did was through a little 30 minute message I gave you a smell of something that you tasted of yourself tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why do we need to do this? We can, you know, we can do this and shout and scream and it smells good. I smell that bacon, bro? It's making me hungry. Why do we do this? It's so important that we, as Christians, are tasting of the goodness of God. Whenever Cressa and I will go to dinner, and and we, you know we'll look at the menu. Cressa does something every time. The waiter waitress will come up, and and they'll you know they'll be ready to take our order. And Cressa always does this. She looks at the waiter waiter waitress and says. What do you like the best? Because there's something called taste and tell. I don't wanna, why is she asking the waiter waitress what do they like? Because I don't wanna hear someone talk about food that they heard. I wanna hear someone talk about food that they've had. You understand the authority that you will carry in the Spirit when it comes to reaching lost people in your workplace and friends in your workplace, when you have tasted. The problem is this, and I'm about to close, that people that don't know Jesus, more often than not, they don't even realise that they're hungry. They just sort of feel uncomfortable comfortable something's not fitting right maybe you're here this morning and that's how you would describe it it's just in I don't know I've done everything I'm a great business person i've got a good family i you know I've got different things going on in my life that I wish were different it's just something's not during COVID, we we're in the uh, in the kitchen and um Caressa looks at me and uh, you know she was like cooking, and whatever, and, and she, looked, no, she was about to make herself a sandwich. She looks at me and she's like, do you, wanna, do you want me to make you a sandwich? You know, like she knows if I'm sort of just grazing around the kitchen just aimlessly, she knows, okay. Do you want me to make you a sandwich? And, and at the time I was like, Ugh. in my mind, you know, two pieces of bread, peanut butter on it. I was like, Ugh. nah, I said this to her. I said, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. Thank you though. So she's like, okay. Okay. And then she begins to make herself a sandwich. Now in my mind, a sandwich is two pieces of bread and a little bit of peanut butter and slap it together and throw it down. She starts making herself a sandwich. She goes to the pantry and she brings back sourdough bread. Okay. I see you, Caressa. Look who's making a sandwich with sourdough. She then gets sourdough. She goes to the fridge. I'm watching her. She gets a little bit of cheese little bit of turkey, a little bit of lettuce. She went and got the fry pan. No word of a light, got the fry pan, cracked an egg in the fry pan and started to cook an egg. I'm watching this whole thing unveil before my eyes. She went and got a jar of pickles. Took the pickles out and started to finely slice not thick, because then it's too much. Just finely slice the pickles. It was at that point that I thought, you know what? I should have said I wanted a sandwich. Do you know when I realised, listen, do you know when I realised that I had just made the worst decision? When she went back to the fridge and brought out the, not the Dijon, but the Dijon mustard. I thought, Ben, you idiot. And then she cut it, not crossways because that's how you cut the kids' sandwiches. She cuts it diagonal. She picks it up, she takes one bite and then she does this. She looks up at me with this smug little look and she says, you still not hungry? I said, woman, you better make me one of those sandwiches. I did not say that. I don't speak to my wife like that she would stab me in the face with the same knife she cut the sandwich with. Do you know why people, lost people, are not hungry for God? Because they have the wrong idea of who He is. Because we have presented for too long a dry, disconnected Gospel that's religious, self-righteous and full of guilt. But what if people started getting around you and being like, I wasn't hungry for God. But now that I see what's going on in your life, I'd never thought that I was hungry or ever wanted to go to church. But now I went to church and, and, and I thought I thought because I'm not necessarily a Christian believer or because I don't wear the right clothes or because I struggle with certain sins that typically Christians are not great at accepting or because I'm a different colour or because I perhaps talk a different way. I thought Christians would be the ones to be a bit like whatever. But when I came to your church, I felt something that I'd never felt before and I wasn't hungry before. But now that I see what you're serving up, there's something stirring inside of me that says, I need to get me some of that. David, he said, taste and see. I'm gonna close, but I know there's people here. There's a wrestling that you felt for too long and you don't know what it is and you tried so many different things. You've even tried religion. You tried to sort of do the church thing, but you missed the encounter. It's like you were living off the smell of it and it didn't sustain you. And now you just feel like you're just at at your wits end and someone invited you. Maybe you never heard this ever, ever before. Maybe you never heard the Gospel of Jesus and how His kindness and goodness is what brings us to a place of repentance. But you're here this morning and you would say, Ben, I need to have an encounter with God, I need to taste this God you're talking about. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If That's you in this room. And you say, Ben, that's me. I want you to raise one hand real quickly, real quickly. Right across this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else say, that's me real quickly. So I can see, it's hard to see. Thank you, awesome there, thank you. Anyone else you say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen to me. Put your hands down, everyone look up. Every single person, I'm about to close this service because I know it's hot. Every single person that just raised their hand. We have over here a prayer tent as we would normally do it different, but we can't do it different today. I want you to go over there. I want you to say, I wanna know more about this Jesus. I've heard about the other Jesus, the one that supposedly hates me and the one that supposedly is just gonna beat me over the head for doing the wrong thing. No, but I've never heard about this Jesus, the one that loves me so much, even though I may be screwed up, He still loves me. I haven't heard about this one. I want you to go over there and I want you to tell Him you raise your hand. I wanna give you something. Right across this room, let's stand to our feet. And I just wanna pray. I wanna pray that we would leave hungry. That we would leave hungry. I know it feels good to say, man, I left church full. I got fed a good word. I don't want that. I want you to leave hungry so that you start to devour it tomorrow. And then again on Tuesday. And then again on Wednesday. And then you start to build some momentum in your life. How is your breakthrough gonna happen? Momentum, spiritual momentum. You start get those wheels rolling in the spirit, you start to break. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.